pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the privilege of coming into your house. Thank you for the privilege of listening to your word. And Lord, we ask that you may open our eyes to see what it is you need us to see. Open our ears to hear what it is you need us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in the past few weeks, as I was thinking about um, what I should share, I'd been given a topic. I was praying and just wondering where to take it. And this thought came into my mind all of a sudden, uh, the story of the widow's two mites. And I was kind of intrigued. I thought, hmm, I wonder why that particular story. So I did some research. And um, after some research, a, a lot of reading, the thing that struck me was the number of times that um, what Jesus thought about a matter was different to what the religious leaders thought about the same thing. Um, the incident of the widow's might occurred in the Holy Week, um, last week of Jesus's earthly life. And it was right before Passover and pilgrims had come from all over Israel to the temple in Jerusalem. And the temple in Jerusalem, I found out, <laughs> was one of the largest structures in the world at the time. It was 150 feet tall. And it was right at the top of uh, Mount Moriah. So for miles around in Jerusalem, you could see it. It was huge. And they said the temple complex was large as well. It was 37 acres, equivalent to 26 football fields. So it was kind of an intimidating place. It was designed to awe, and it did. And it had been started at that time when Jesus was walking the earth. They, they were in an 80-year, apparently, construction process. So towards the center of the complex was the court of the women, which was also the treasury. <laughs> and it had 13 labeled containers for the different kinds of offerings you could give. And each of those chests or boxes had something like a trumpet type funnel, which is where you dropped your offering in. And people could offer whatever they wanted in the chest, but Jewish males were required to donate a half shekel once a year. It was the law. And here we encounter the first difference of opinion between Jesus and the religious leaders because the Jewish authorities at the temple required that people change, exchange the coins they had, the Jewish coins they had, uh, into Roman coins, which had a higher silver content. And they had to do that, and they were charged an 8% fee. <laughs> Jesus was so angry with that 
practice that we are told he overturned the tables of the money changers. First time we see him throw a fit in anger, that's how angry he was, that they had exchanged what was God's law, that the male should come with half a shekel for this little commercial enterprise where they got an 8% fee. And as Jesus uh, overturned the tables, he said, you have made the house of prayer into a den of thieves. The account of the offering of the widow's mites is in Mark and Luke, but um, I followed, I'm gonna take the, the Mark um, accounting. So earlier on, it's in Mark 12, the story of the widow's mite, but in Mark 7, Jesus rebukes the scribes and Pharisees for the traditions they had exchanged. For, God, for what God had specifically taught through Moses. So he's angry with their commercial practices. He's overturned the tables. He's angry with their traditions. So Mark 7 says, for Moses said, this is Jesus talking, honor your father and mother, and whoever curses father or mother shall die. Yet you say, if a person says, says to father or mother, any support you might have had from me is korban, which means dedicated to God, you allow him to do nothing more for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God in favor of your tradition that handed on and you do many such things. Hmm. So that got me thinking, where have we exchanged God's word for our tradition with regard to money in our own lives, particularly? In the book of Matthew, Jesus is clear about the contest between God and mammon. Mammon is, apparently it has various nuances on the word, but it's money, it's material wealth, or it can be any entity that prom promises wealth. So Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He continues to expound on it, there's a lot, but I'll just pick out a few. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So back to the widow's story. 
after overturning tables because of the greedy pursuit of wealth. Warning the scribes and Pharisees against exchanging God's instructions for their own traditions. And teaching on a number of other things, Jesus is in the treasury, that court of the women, and the account tells us that he's watching the crowd put money into the various collection boxes. Then in Mark 12, it says, many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. So really, when I read that, I thought he's not talking about the money as such, because um, apparently those two little coins were worth 12 minutes of labor and wages. So he wasn't calculating the worth of the silver, but to him, her offering was worth more than any of the other silver. I also thought, how did he see her? It, it tells us she's, they were in a crowd. What she did was so important that he, that he called the disciples to him. So I thought to point her out, he didn't just let it pass. So I thought it, it's got to be something to do with her attitude as she put in what was little in earthly goods something about her attitude of prayer and worship as she did that got Jesus's attention. And I thought, is Jesus saying we need to be destitute? <laughs> um, but I don't think that's what he was saying um, because actually the fact that she had to put those last two coins in and was then gonna have nothing to live on showed that something had broken down in the system that had been set up for the care of widows. At that time, when you were born a woman, you couldn't work. Uh, you were dependent on your husband. Your worth was being someone's spouse or the mother of somebody. And when the husband died, you were totally at the mercy of your son, hopefully you had sons. Or if they didn't help you with just living, the king was supposed to step up, and so were these priests. Somewhere along the line, that had all broken down because she had to throw these last two coins in. Was it a Hail Mary? Was it a just, God, here I am? What's significant to me is that God saw it. It reminds me of the um, story in Genesis where Hagar calls God El Roy, the God who sees me. 
she was probably on the periphery of society. She wasn't one of those who was given the front row seats. But her attitude of worship, her giving herself to God and trusting him, not necessarily her wealth, got the attention of Jesus. And I believe, like he told us in Matthew, her needs were met. Which tells us that our job is to align our hearts and minds with what God instructs and his guidance. To be diligent, like those ladies in the story with the oil lamps who had, they had the oil and they had extra, they were going to sit and wait until God came into their situation. If we seek God first, if we're diligent, we don't exchange God's instructions and guidance for our traditions. God will come through for us, like he did with this widow. I found a lovely prayer that I'd like to close with. So let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, rule and govern our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we may not hear your word in vain and become so devoted to worldly things that we forget eternal things, but that we serve those who are in need and not defile ourselves with carousing and pride. Keep us from despair when we experience trials and misfortunes and move us to trust wholly in your fatherly help and grace, so that in faith and Christian patience, we may overcome all things through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.